Welcome to another episode of Lamenting the Leafs. Uh, we have a guest joining us this time as we come off the heels of uh, the NHL Entry Draft weekend. Um, we're joined by Tony Ferrari. Tony, welcome and thank you. Uh, I, I know it's been a busy few days, probably. You're probably ready to sleep, but uh, thanks for taking a little bit of time for us. Uh, see, the beautiful thing about leaving my post at Dauber like a week before the draft is it has been a very unstressful draft for me. I was able to sit <laughs> back, watch it, and tweet a little bit, but I, I, I barely even did that at times. No, it was it was a nice, relaxing draft for me, the first time in like three or four years. So uh, now I'll take a week or two to get back involved in something else, and then uh, we'll see where I land. Oh, I'm, I'm glad it was relaxing for you, Tony. I was going to say that's <laughs> yeah, so It sounded stressful from... for you. It sounded real stressful for you, bud. <laughs> yeah, uh, you sort of <laughs> dumped all of that work off on me. You give me an editor position right before you leave. It's because I was trying to help you out, bud. <laughs> yeah. Just, just yeah. being a good guy. <laughs> yeah. So Tony, Tony's the uh, outgoing managing editor at Dauber Prospects. And we didn't mention this yet, but Nick, you've taken over as the director of North American Scouting as well. So congrats on that. Yes. Um. So, uh, big draft weekend. Uh, hi, Keith. <laughs> hey, I'm here. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm I'm taking it all in. <laughs> Keith's gonna have some big questions for you guys as uh, yeah, hard hitting, hard hitting analysis as we progress. Um, so before we get into talking about the the Leafs draft, we want to talk about the Leafs system a little bit as well. I, I wanted to touch on this story off the top. About Logan Mayu, this was broken by Daily Faceoff a week before the draft with further reporting by uh, Katie Strang and Corey Promen last week in The Athletic. Uh, Mayu, a defenseman with the London Knights, was effectively convicted of offensive photography and defamation last December following a November incident in Sweden shortly after he arrived uh, in Sheleftia to join a team there. Um, the details are disturbing, and I'd encourage you to read that reporting if you haven't yet. Um, and I knew we'd talk about this at some point on our draft show. I hoped it would be a little later, maybe, in the show. But because of what happened over the weekend, um, we want to talk about this off the top. Shortly after the Athletic article was published, may you release a statement renouncing himself from the draft and uh, asking teams not to choose him. Uh, the problem with that being basically it's like Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy, right? <laughs> um, saying he, like you've renounced yourself doesn't really do anything at that point. So um, as the first round was drawing to a close, the Montreal Canadiens stepped to the podium and chose Logan Mayu with the 31st overall selection. Uh, so, Tony, before we get into this further, what, what was just your reaction when you heard that pick announced on Friday night? Uh, I just kind of like laughed to myself because it was ridiculous because honestly, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but I've, I've met Logan. I, I know him. Um, I, I was at a skate last summer where, that he was at and, and that skate was the best I saw him all year. Like I, I probably wouldn't have drafted him in the first four or five rounds, even if he was not convicted of anything and not a kind of a garbage human being, but like, yeah, sure. Montreal, go do your thing. You, you look like an idiot and everyone's kind of calling you an idiot and you deserve it. So, yeah, I was like shocked. I almost had like a jaw drop moment when the pick was announced. And then I, I started seeing the analysis and stuff on Twitter and on the show, like calling him a first round talent and then, you know, going on about the character and the, the charges and stuff like that. And I'm thinking to myself, like, he's not a first round talent. Like, just none, nothing about that pick made any sense. It, it just like causing so much trouble for your organization, such a bad look. I, I just can't explain it. 
Yeah, my thing was like there, there was 200 players probably better than him that I would have chosen regardless of the character issues and they still went with him. It just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I know we're probably going to talk about that video of the the assistant GM in, in Montreal, but like I thought that that like I I was I was kind of out and about and just like checking my phone and I I saw that video pop up and I thought like somebody had kind of like edited it for like impact to make it like, I don't know, like a spoof, like on how long he was silent, but that was one of the more remarkably ridiculous videos that I've ever seen on Twitter. It was, I I don't understand. And I didn't even have all the context really that you guys just provided of the fact that, you know, he shouldn't have been picked in the first round anyway. And like adding that on top of the fact that he's just, like you said, piece of shit. That's, that's insane. I'm not sure if I know the video you're referring to. Yeah, me neither. I have no idea. You guys? Oh, really? Keith, well, you you're, you're, you have the info on this podcast. That's why the people are tuning in. <laughs> I'll try to find it here. I'll so you it. said, was it? I know that Trevor Timmons spoke and talked about the lady psychologist that that he was had been seeing, but I, I don't think that that's what you're referring to. So we'll we'll loop back on that. But yeah, I mean, that that's obviously like. What I thought was remarkable was you saw what uh, happened last year with the Arizona Coyotes and the Mitchell Miller situation. And my thought after it, it happened was, OK, how long until they renounce this pick until they have to, you know, walk this back? And, and then I thought about it a little more. And I thought like they're making this decision on the heels of what happened in the last draft. Like it feels like this is a, a, a decision they made knowing the backlash they would get. And I feel like they just have every intention of standing behind the pick at this point. Yeah. I don't think there's any way they're, they're going to renounce this pick. It, it's one of those things where I think we're, let's be honest, we're looking at what's going on in Chicago and Mark Bergman's involvement in that. And in, despite the fact that he said there was nothing there and he didn't know anything like this doesn't help his character in that case like it doesn't help the fact that he's been accused like not necessarily accused but at least in somewhat involved with something like this before or something worse than this and the fact that he goes out and makes the pick is just it's mind-boggling to me i don't understand why anyone in the the front office wouldn't say something because like that's not a it, it wasn't a good pick and it wasn't a smart pick either so I, I just don't understand it yeah the talent didn't come anywhere close to like outweighing the, the negatives surrounding him as a person that just it, i really can't even wrap my head around it another part of it is just the way that i mean the first round is prestige right like you you are if you're a first round pick there is a, a prestige that is associated with that you are the face of that team's draft class um you know in a normal year it's it, it comes with the stage with all of the glitz and glamour and to like to decide that that's how you want to spend your first round pick that's the kind of person you want to use it on just felt very deliberate in a way that um was yeah. just shocking and like especially you know the the reckoning we're going through with the blackhawks with the microscope like you said tony with that bergevin has been under with the relation of the blackhawks thing it, to just turn around and do this just felt like um yeah just just it was rotten and it just felt yeah felt really gross uh, we we um, often put the tinfoil hats on on this show so i'm i'm buckling into mine at the moment <laughs> do you guys think there's like any chance i know mayu denied this and said he didn't speak to any teams after renouncing himself from the draft but do you think there's any chance at all that montreal had made it clear to him that they were going to select him and they were working in cohesion with him 
to get him to sort of make that statement and renounce himself as like a preemptive strike in his, you know, repairing his kind character. Of, um, a PR move or yeah. a PR. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's maybe a little bit far-fetched, but. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like the, the, the thing is like the thing that really gets me are a couple of the other comments made and we'll move on from this here in a moment, but I just wanted to, to point these out specifically that, um, like obviously they're, they're going on the PR tour now and, um, you know, according to the daily face-off report, uh, Mayu told investigators that he believed the victim wanted to ruin his career, um, from the, uh, the athletic piece, multiple sources said that, uh, in interviews with some NHL teams, he had portrayed the woman as vindictive. So like it, it just, it does sound like a guy who is kind of trying to, to save his own skin. So, I mean, like that's like you say, Nick, that's tinfoil hat, but it's not crazy. I don't think it's uh, completely out of, out of the... Can- Considering some of the yeah. other things that have surfaced in the hockey world, uh, it's definitely not the uh, the craziest thing. No, especially because l- let's be honest, like everyone kind of knew what he was doing when he put out that statement renouncing him from the draft. Yeah. He, he, it was especially with the agent's comments and everything. Yeah, he was trying to put out a statement to look like a, a better guy, and in, in that statement, he didn't even apologize. So <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, man, like. You're trying so hard, man. Maybe just try not to be a piece of shit sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was a rough end to that first round because you have that and everyone's obviously righteously pissed off about that. And then it rolls into the Blackhawks with the final pick and they're basically using every woman in the organization as a human shield as, as Stan Bowman steps up to the mic. And it was uh, yeah, very much a bad taste in your mouth to end. The, uh, the first round of the draft. Friday. Yeah, that is gross. Uh, oh, and another nugget buried in that uh, Mayu story as well that I, I just wanted to mention um, as we get into the uh, evaluation of the Leafs draft. Uh, sources say uh, London Knights co-owner and general manager Mark Hunter has endorsed Mayu's talent and character to NHL teams. Oof. <laughs> Ugh. If you needed more reason to be happy that we, we've got the GM we do uh, in Toronto. Yeah, well, b- before after- we get into reviewing the the most recent Leafs draft class, just look back at the drafts that Mark Hunter was in charge of. But they were so big. Yeah, they were so big. When, <laughs> and what's Emily Rassenden doing now? Does anybody know? Being big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aside from the talent evaluations, just to close the loop on Mayu, apparently the Leafs did not have him on their list. They were one of the teams that uh, were not looking at him. So uh, let's move on to the Leafs draft and talk a little bit about um, the players selected three picks going in, three picks coming out. Uh, So before we talk about the the guys that the Leafs chose, um, I'm just curious, like I I was a little surprised that, you know, there wasn't any change in terms of the number of picks um, that that the Leafs went in. We often will see them trade down. Um, I I guess I got the sense, especially in that second round, that uh, there were a lot of good names still on the board as the Leafs were coming up. And where I went into the second round, hoping that one would just slip to them, it looked like there'd be quite a few available. Maybe they'd look at at trading back and trying to accumulate some more picks. Tony, what what were your thoughts there? Did you expect to see that? Were you surprised that, that the Leafs just kind of went in and uh, with what they had and, and stuck to their guns yeah i'm really surprised because i think there's a lot of like I, I don't mind the matthew nice pick but there was a lot of talent left on the board and, and probably talent i would have taken above him so if he's the guy that you didn't want to lose i don't know if he's worth it not getting a guy like sean barons or, or or another guy like ayrton martino who went in the third round like 
there was a lot of talent. Sasha Pashajov, another guy that went in the third round. Like there, there was a lot of guys that I might have traded down for and maybe doubled up the risk and took in a few, a few of those guys. Because yeah, I, I like the pick, but yeah, there's guys on the board that trade down was definitely an option. Yeah, and I think there might have even, like you said, been guys on the board that were worthy of being selected over Matthew Nyes. So like Simone Robertson fell so far in that draft. I was a big fan of Tristan Bros, who got selected with the very next pick by Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, it, it just seemed like in a year where they had so few picks and with the talent that was still on the board when they stepped up to the virtual podium at 57 – it just it seemed like something that Dubas would explore, but he alluded to it when when they got there. Uh, his scouting staff, led by John Lilly, was was high enough on Nyes that uh, they just stood pat and made the pick. Yeah, well, I was gonna say like I was curious to get your guys' take on it because I think like the conventional idea is you know drafting, especially you know with with kind of not so much second round, but like you know later in the draft, like really kind of going for like high end talent that maybe you know don't have they have the raw skill but maybe need to work on some other things in kind of swinging for the fences but this feels and again you guys know a lot more than me but just from the bit that i've read and and kind of watched um post draft is that it's more of like a you know high floor kind of pick where you know he projects to probably be like a middle six forward um curious is is that what where you guys are kind of referring to when you're talking about there was a lot of a lot more skill left to take or some guys that you maybe had eyes on and that might be the reason why. Yeah, I think for me, like it, it is one of those picks where you're like, okay, like I, I understand why they they need this guy in their system. Like they don't have much of this this type of player in their system. And, and I, I will say, Matthew Nice has some sneaky skill. There, there's a few times where he does some interesting things as a, a puck handler a, uh, with, with his hands and everything in the offensive zone to work himself into space. But yeah, there's definitely guys like I said that were higher higher skill guys. Even like like I mentioned Ayrton Martino earlier, and he he was probably the guy I would have been drooling over at this spot but it's because he has that high skill that high energy that high paced game and, and Matthew Nyes has a, a bit more of a physical raw tool set but it, it's it's less refined it's not not really the the high skill game we're, we're used to seeing from a Dubas pick so it is a, a little bit of a different pick well after the draft Dubas kind of alluded to the fact that they had a lot of picks last year and going into the season this year back in October they didn't really know the way things were going to play out which leagues were going to be playing, all those sort of things. And with the team being in a, a strong position in the standings around the trade deadline, they decided to cash in some of their draft capital at that time uh, to try and give themselves a better chance to succeed in the playoffs. It didn't happen, whatever. But I think that the Nyes pick sort of fits with the philosophy of like almost punting on this draft to an extent where in such a strange year with so much uncertainty – they sort of flipped the switch and went for a guy with that high floor that is a little more projectable to the NHL. It, it just sort of seemed to fit with the whole philosophy surrounding this draft and just the uncertainty of it all. It's really interesting that they decided, like, with with the limited picks, they did decide to kind of go with their top guy as a guy that is a little bit safer. And, and, and I still think they did a good job of taking some risk as, as they got later in the draft, especially with their next pick, so... It's still yeah. still an interesting draft for the for the least, but yeah, this this top pick is certainly not uh, traditional Dubas. No, and you alluded to it being someone that they don't really have a lot of this type of player in their system, and I think that was definitely a factor in sort of realizing that maybe it's not always so simple to go out and fill around the margins with that physicality and grit and puck hunting kind of 
player that that Nyes could be. And yeah, it, it just sort of made sense to add that element to the system. Yeah, it, it, I mean, to your point, Nick, um, like I, I kind of thought maybe with the uncertainty um, it seemed like some teams like Carolina for example kind of took the tact of um, you know let's try to amass some picks because surely there's going to be some guys who slip who are first round talents etc but but yeah it seems like they kind of went the opposite way and and compared to past strategies it was a little surprising so so let's talk a bit about Matthew Nice the uh, second round pick of the Leafs Um, I mean I watched a little bit of tape just uh, earlier today um you know just uh, not much obviously not as much as you guys have seen him i'm sure uh you guys have, have had a number of you know at least video viewings um but what i saw was a guy who like you said tony like you know not a high high-end uh, skill level but like um a guy with a lot of projectable tools and a lot of stuff you can kind of project onto him because he is you know a big boy and he's got seemingly some some pretty good smarts about him too like and, and obviously very engaged like very willing to get physical um but like what i kind of saw was like i i wondered about his his skating and and tony we'll start with you i guess like what what would you say is kind of the drawback to a guy who i mean at that size and and with some of those um characteristics i guess like often those guys people are just like licking their chops to get at them right so like w- w- what is it about um his game I-, I guess that kind of held him back from getting up into that first round range I- is it the lack of high-end skill is it skating is it um kind of a combination or what are your thoughts yeah i think the skating thing it- it's interesting with him because i think he's a guy that works hard and he can outwork his kind of lackluster skating in a similar way that we've seen Zach Hyman do it for for years now in Toronto where like when you watch Zach Hyman skate especially early on in his Toronto days like he wasn't the best and, and there was clearly like times where he'd get really wild and you'd get his arms and legs flailing as he skates and, and sometimes bros does the same thing so I think he's a guy that's going to outwork some of that but I do think he's gonna have to improve that but I think the big thing is yeah there's just not that he he flashed the skill and flashed some moves in, in space and everything, but then you wouldn't see it again for a few games. And you're like, man, like you you can do it sometimes, but you can't do it all the time. And when you can do it sometimes at the junior level, you you rarely can do it at the NHL level. So it, it's kind of a question of the skill that he does show. Is it actually projectable, or is he just going to be the more safer kind of do do everything with puck protection and, and just kind of good hands and tight with strong puck protection skills? So it, it, it I think it is this this lack of skill that kind of held him back yeah i only really kind of caught on to Nyes towards the end of the year and I watched a few of his games as the season was winding down he was on a absolute heater to close out the season and i think that he he skates half decently well for a guy his size like he's got some straight line speed i wonder about his you know maneuverability between checks but he just kind of bodies through traffic anyway but as far as like being a transporter of the puck through the neutral zone and things like that, I, I don't think he's going to be someone that's weaving around checks, carrying the puck up ice. Uh, he's more of a chip it in and go hammer the defenseman and take it back from him kind of guy. But the one thing that I will say that is a, a bit of a concern for me with the way that he plays the game is, and the size that he already has. So I did find that he was knocked off of his feet a little more than I would like to see for a guy with his profile. I think like as he continues to mature and maybe add some more lower body strength and things like that, that might go away a little bit. 
but for for as many big hits as he laid he got he got knocked around a, a bit at his self yeah i think the big thing with that is is like i said he kind of lets his limbs get outside of his body when he's skating yeah. sometimes and i think we saw that in, especially in zach hyman's rookie year i want to say like i felt like he was always kind of falling into the corner or something after a, a big play where he'd make a really good play and then he'd get like bodied and, and just go flying into the corner or going flying into the boards and like i, I think now that he's started to control his skating strides worked on he's a little bit better now i think matthew nice the same thing like once he kind of gets that frame under him a little bit more kind of works on the the overall balance because all of these guys have good balance but let's be honest they're guys who have better balance and and matthew nice is one of those guys that probably has to work on that aspect and that's just like i said because his frame does get so wild when he's skating so i think it's it's one of those things that can be fixed but it's going to take a couple years probably yeah and, and we've been comparing him to zach hyman a lot i even did it in in my writing of the uh, about the pick at the leafs nation but I will say I think that Matthew Nyes probably already has like a, a heavier shot than Zach Hyman does. He, oh yeah. He I think that he needs some time to get it off. His his release isn't the cleanest in in tight or anything like that. But when he's afforded space, uh, he can hammer some one timers too. I don't know how many one timers I've seen Zach Hyman take in his NHL career. Uh, he's not going to be playing on the half wall in the power play in Edmonton either. I think uh, Nyes is a guy who you can maybe see in that spot on a second unit in the NHL if he's not working the net front. He's he's got a good enough shot to score from the outside. I think if he like continues to maybe add some deception to his release, you know how like Matthews can sort of release the puck from so many different points in his toe drag. Nyes is never going to get to that point. Like Austin Matthews might have the best shot in the world, but I think if he can become a little more deceptive with that release, that there's a chance for some more goal scoring too. Yeah, and and that's one thing that did stand out to me when I was watching just some of that tape on YouTube. Like, um, it seemed like he had a good shot. It's always hard to kind of tell. I find watching, especially on video, but also like at you know lower levels. Like, was it good? Was it just good for the level? Um, but like, what impressed me about him was. Uh, kind of the variety of ways he seemed to to score like he just seemed to um really attack all over the ice like you know sometimes you you see tape of guys and it's just they kind of have they kind of have a couple of plays or whatever right and and they have their go-tos but it, it seems like he's he's kind of a, a smart guy who um I don't know. He, he just seems to have have a, a variety of, of ways to kind of contribute, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. He's definitely a guy that doesn't stick to the same thing all the time. And, and that is something I do like about his offensive game. And, and that's part of the reason that makes him projectable to the NHL level, because you look at him in the way he scores and you're like, OK, he can be a net front presence or he can be a guy that kind of comes in off the wing or works off the boards and stuff. So th- there's different things that he can do. I, I, I don't know if he'll ever be the guy that streaks down the wing and, and consistently scores in that way and and that's kind of more the way the nhl is going but he he's going to be a good enough shooter so that that's going to be the big thing for him where he can work around the offensive zone and find that space and he like you said he, he's a smart kid and he, he finds the the soft spots in between the defensemen so i i think he's going to be able to score at the nhl level i i again how how high is that ceiling i i don't really know but i think he's going to be a solid middle six guy probably so i had a question on on nice um specifically you know looking at like his projection because he's a a big guy um you know we talked about the skating a little bit i think that's going to take some cleaning up and that'll take a little bit of time but obviously like any time that i think uh, the leafs bring in a guy who's got some skating issues but otherwise has some stuff really going on for him that's something i get excited about because you know they have they have a good staff that that can 
help clean some things up. But how long of um, a timeline do you, do you think w- this guy has before he kind of starts sniffing um, around the NHL and, and being ready to crack the roster? What would you say, Tony? At least two years at Minnesota? Yeah, probably. I think whenever a guy's going to college, you almost have to give him at least two. And, and sometimes you give him three and they'll sign at the end of that third year, especially with a guy like Bros. I could see taking the third year because <laughs> he does have that skating to work. You called so. him Bros twice, though. <laughs> Oh, God damn it, I did. You can go back and say it again. Cameron will fix it after. (laughs) No, it's fine. Just leave it in. I'm an idiot. Maybe I wanted Tristan Bros better. (laughs) I feel bad now. No, it's good. I I was going to go back and and just clean it up quietly the the first time, but now it's a thing. So it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Now it's really all on No, but yeah, I I, I think it could be three years. I think three years is probably where where Matthew Nyes is going to kind of land on on the NHL timeline. And and I do think he probably breaks in and does that kind of end of the year college thing where they play five, six games and then play the following season the AHL. Because I do think it's going to be one of those things where he's going to be in the AHL for a year and then maybe kind of crack the NHL lineup. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. He's not uh, like a Matthew Boldy or Cole Caulfield who's going to be leaving after a year or two. I think that we've got to be a little bit patient with this guy and, you know, the returns could could be worth the wait. So, Tony, who might you have liked to see the Leafs choose if it weren't Matthew Nice? <laughs> uh, maybe Tristan Bros. I think that's a good pick. Who went right after? Um, uh, but no, I think the, the guy that I, I was on kind of the whole time was Ayrton Martino. He was a guy that was I, I, he was extremely high on my personal board, and I, I kind of forced him high on the Dauber board as well. But uh, he was at 18 on my board. I think he was towards the end of the first round of the Dauber board. But the, the, the skill on this kid, they played in the same league in the USHL. Uh, Ayrton Martino played for Omaha, and he, he just had so much skill, so much pace, and and just he played a very cerebral great game and, and it was one of those players that i'm like man you put a guy like that next to matthews and or, or a guy like that on a line with Tavares, and he can kind of mitigate some of Tavares' slowing down over the next couple of years because martino plays with that high skill high but like he just plays a buzzy game and it, it's a ton of fun to watch and i i love the kid so I, that probably would have been my guy but i was very very high on him personally yeah, I liked Martino. I thought he, watching him, he's a guy that always seemed to be and is like ready to pounce on that loose puck that squirts loose in the neutral zone or something like, and he, create an odd man chance. Just a really exciting player to watch. Um, but the guy that was really standing out on the board for me was definitely Simone Robertson. I had him, I think, number twenty on my list, and t- to see him available at the back end of the second round, I don't think he went until the third round. Um, it, it just that, that was a little bit inexplicable for me with what I saw out of Robertson over in Sweden. Got a really heavy shot, good straight line speed as well. Kind of working to become more of a, a two way player. I, I think he's got that in him with a little more experience and development. But you know he handled himself well in a limited sample against professional competition over in Sweden. Um, showed the ability to score goals from the outside. Just a, there was a lot of tools there in Robertson that I just th- thought it was really surprising to see him available at that spot and seem like the kind of guy that the Leafs might go for. So the Leafs uh, had two more choices, fifth and sixth round. Um, Ty Voigt uh, in, in the fifth round from Sarnia, left winger. Um, a guy who did not play at all in 2020-21. Um, 
so, I mean, this is so hard to kind of evaluate, but um, Tony, how, how much did you, you kind of get to see this guy uh, before this season? And what were your thoughts on, on the, the pick there in round five? Well, before the season, I saw him a lot because I watched a lot of Sarnia Sting hockey last year, and he he's, he was a guy that constantly attracted my my attention. And admittedly, I am a guy that kind of gives in gives in a little to the small guys because <laughs> I, I love them. And uh, I, I do have to say that every time because I know Nick was going to make fun of me for it if I didn't. But no, and, and the nice thing is, <laughs> you so my and Pa forever. Oh, forever! Give me my five foot four angel. Um, but no, like Ty Boyd, he, he's a ton of fun. He's a fun, fun, high pace player, high, high energy guy. And, and the nice thing is like there, there were reports this year that he grew up to six feet. And, and while I don't necessarily believe that he actually got up to six feet, if he's five ten, five eleven, I think that's a lot better than being five eight. And the, the game he plays, the, the, the skill he has, and man, he, he's the kind of that guy that you look at and you go, man, if he's, he's on someone's middle six and he's playing on the second line or third line, he can kind of get in there and he, he's not afraid of cutting to the middle. He's not afraid of going to the dirty areas and he's a bit of a buzzsaw that way I, I think he's going to need to add size but I think the the quote he had after the after the draft when they, they were talking about his size was that he's been in the gym for the past two years basically and, and honestly he's a guy that I've seen put in workouts and stuff and I've seen videos and everything so it, we saw him a little bit at that uh, event in Erie and he looked really good there so I, I love this pick personally he, he was a guy that I, I wanted to put on my top 100 every time and he got he got in on the last or on, on the last couple and, and kind of right near the end of the thing, just, just to have him there because I, I do have a ton of faith in this kid's skill and talent. And like I said, I have a soft spot for the little guys. Yeah. I love the, the selection of Ty Boyd in the fifth round too. Uh, we talked about it before we started recording. I think the, the team over at elite prospects had him at like 27 on their list back in January. You know, of course a lot of things changed after that with, with some other leagues getting going and, and whatever. But to to end up with that guy in the fifth round at like 153rd overall or something like that, there's just so much skill in his game. He he's tenacious. Maybe not tenacious in the way that like a Darcy Tucker was. Maybe more tenacious like um, Mikhail Grabowski, who a guy who just like takes a ton yeah. of punishment isn't scared to take a hit to make a play. Doesn't care that he's smaller than all the guys that he's racing into traffic against. And the vision and hands that he's got, just a, a really exciting pick in the fifth round. I think he's a guy that's going to play in the NHL. Yeah, I like hearing that. Um, yeah, I'm excited about this pick. I, I, I think um, the profile really sounds like an interesting guy. And if, you know, Tony, if you're saying that he's added on a few inches and, and it's been in the gym, like that's. Um, well, that's he was even exciting, listed uh, at like 5'10 by Central Scouting, I think, uh, the, their last rankings before the draft. I mean, take that with a grain of salt i think there was maybe a little fudging of the numbers from some of the teams this year because central scouting had to rely on you know the no third party measurements it was you know coming directly from the team but you know just to hear that he even maybe gained a couple of inches from where he was as a rookie in the ohl that's definitely encouraging this one feels a little bit more traditionally dubious is, is yeah, definitely. yeah i think i i think it definitely is traditionally dubious and it, it's it's honestly it sounds weird because I, I i said i like the matthew nice pick even though i called him tristan bros um <laughs> but no i i said i like that pick but i do like this pick more like if i had to grade this pick i'd probably grade it out higher than the first pick because i i do think that the skill levels there that that 
kind of traditional Dubas pick. He, he, he really fits in the system here. And uh, I, like I said, I, I love this kid. He's a little buzzsaw. So anytime you get a little buzzsaw in there, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, and pretty safe to say that he probably wouldn't have been available in the fifth round had the OHL season happened last year. Yeah, no, I think he probably would have gone in the first three rounds most likely. And, and especially if he actually did put on the size that they say, I, I see no reason why he wouldn't fall into the first three rounds. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can do back in Sarnia next season when the OHL comes back. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much growth between those seasons, right? Like that's, I mean, I know that he hasn't been on the ice and competing, but um, you're going to see a lot of guys who just explode, who haven't played in, in, a, in a whole season, right? Guys who weren't maybe quite to the level where they get a, a gig overseas in their draft season. But yeah, there's going to be some interesting cases uh, development-wise, I would say, coming out of this draft. Um. So, so the Leafs' final pick uh, in the sixth round, they selected a goaltender. Um, and I, I don't know how much info either of you are going to have on uh, <laughs> on this guy, but let's... I can't um, wait to hear Tony's scouting report on Vyacheslav Peksa. Yeah, Vyacheslav Peksa. What do we know? All right, uh, let me hit you with some knowledge. With their third and final selection in the 2021 <laughs> draft, the lead, I'm just reading off of Nick because I have no idea who this is. Like, I, I straight up, when they made the pick, I was like, I saw the quote sure, afterwards whatever. where they were talking about him being athletic. I was like, he's an athletic goaltender. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, Nick, did you mention he's got, uh, he, he played with um, uh, Akiyama? Yeah, he's, he comes from the same system as the the goaltender that the Leafs drafted in the fourth round last year. He, he played. I don't think he played in any games above the uh, the junior level over in Russia this past season, where Akiyamov was kind of up and down throughout the system. Got into a couple of games at the KHL level, played a few in the VHL, but I, I think they shared the crease a little bit for some time at the uh, MHL level. Sounds like a lottery ticket to me. <laughs> That's pretty much all he is at this point. I mean, he's an overager. He, he went unselected last year. Uh, I, I asked a few people about him, but I got nothing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is with a six-round pick, especially in a year that uh, the year that we had. And, yeah, you're drafting a goalie out of Russia. It's, uh, the, the info will be few that, far between. That, that pick did surprise me, though, because I think there was some – some decent value left on the board at that point in the draft. Was there anyone sticking out to you at that point, Tony? I think Andre Gasso was the guy that I, I liked yeah. at this point. Like he just, I, yeah. I, I pegged him as a guy that I had taken in like the third or fourth round. He's got really good size, really good projectable skill. And, and he's not a guy that overcomplicates things, plays a good defensive game. And like, yeah, he's not going to be a first, second line guy, but he's going to be a solid fourth, third and fourth line guy. I think at the NHL level and, he's that kind of third line center that the Leafs are constantly trying to trade for fourth line center that they're trying to trade for. So I think he would have been a really good player to kind of add to the system too. And, but sure, let's, let's get the uh, Pexia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, was, I was really big on Gasso too. And I think unlike a lot of other players in the draft that when they're selected, you, you, there's maybe questions about whether they're going to stick in the middle as they climb the ranks. I don't think there were any questions about whether Andre Gasso would be able to play center as he progressed throughout his career, I, I definitely would have liked to see them add him to the organization there. And there was my boy, Peter Reynolds, who uh, me and Braden have to take a massive L on. We had him all the way up at it. the top of our second round and he didn't even get drafted. I, I was flabbergasted by that. I'm mind blown by that one. I just don't get it. Like I, I, I wasn't a huge Peter Reynolds guy, but he was definitely a guy that would take over like a, a lot of the players taken much earlier. <laughs> yeah. 
so the Leafs also uh, invited uh, Vincent Sevigny, a uh, defenseman from Victoriaville, to their development camp. I'm sure that more invites will follow uh, in the days to come, but that's the only one we know of so far. Um, so I just wanted to touch on the Leafs system quickly. I mean, it's I don't know how much uh, this draft moves the needle for you, Tony. Three picks in total, and you know, like you said, they kind of went a little safer in the second round, and then it's a fifth and a sixth. Um, you know, does does this really kind of do much for the system for you? It makes them the best system in the league, baby. No, they're, they're fine. It, it's, it's a couple of nice players. I like the Typhoid edition. Matthew Nice is good. Um, and the goalie is a guy. I don't know. Like, it, it, It's a nice little addition. It, it definitely probably kind of bumps them down because they just didn't add the, the volume that other teams added this this year. So they're, they're probably going to get bumped down in the prospect rankings where we saw them kind of around the 10, 12, 14 mark. They, they might be closer to 20 this year, but I, I think they're perfectly fine with the guys they got coming up and they, they've got a lot of nice nice players like Nick Robertson, Rodion Amirov, uh, Abrazizi's a nice little find and then like I said the, the guys they added weren't bad players by any means. Yeah and I think there's been a bit of like a, a false narrative going around that the, the Leafs prospect pool is entirely depleted and they have nothing coming at all. Like what, They might not have any surefire superstar type of prospects but there's a lot of you know potential NHL talent that's in the system right now. You've even got guys from last year's draft like Topi Niemela and Roni Hervinen. I think those guys have already displayed some potential to make it to the NHL. Uh, even a late round guy from a couple of years ago that just signed an ELC, Pontus Holmberg. He was huge for Vaxo in the SHL playoffs when they won the title over there. I mean, there there are some names in the system that we could see contributing to the Leafs in the coming years. It's not a, a, a totally barren landscape. No, that's just it. Like, I do think they've done a really good job at finding those values late in the draft. I think VT Mitten's another guy that yeah. comes to mind that I'm like, he's he a, a guy that year. could be something. Yeah, he had a great year. Uh, even a guy like William Villeneuve, like, that's a swing that they took kind of later on in the draft. And, like, he's not a, certainly not a guy that won't, can't be an NHL player. So it's going to be interesting to see where a lot of these swings kind of end up because – they're, they're guys that are at least making noise at the lower levels, so you kind of expect at least some of them are going to hit at the NHL level. Yeah, and one guy I'm really excited to see take the next step in his progression this year is Mikhail Abramov, the teammate of uh, Sivigny that just got the camp invite. Uh, he's going to be playing his first year in the American Hockey League coming up, and I think that he's a guy that could you know really inject some offensive talent and transitional ability to the to the Marlies next season. They're going to be a little more fun to watch with him on the roster. So, question from Twitter: This one from Andra, uh, who asked, "Who do you think uh, had the best draft?" Um, Tony, your thoughts on uh, overall who, who who had the best weekend? I think the, the Carolina Hurricanes won the draft. Like I, I loved what they were doing, and, and they were trading down. They were taking timeouts, which was kind of annoying. I'm not going to lie on the broadcast because then it just delayed things even longer. But no, they they made they were smart with their picks. They traded down. They got a lot of guys that I'm really a big fan of, and uh, maybe this is cheating just because I'm a huge Scott Morrow fan. But they took him and, and Hamel Salmi, who's another. Those are probably my two favorite defensemen to watch in this entire draft, and they got both. Both of them so in the second round I'm I, I love what Carolina did and I'm not gonna like I, I may be cheating a little bit because I, I do have a buddy that works in the Carolina front office my old co-host Yoki and uh, so I may be biased, but they, they killed it at the draft. And I, I kind of kept making comments to him saying, st- telling him to stop dropping out my board because, uh, yeah, a lot of the picks they were making were ones I would have made myself. I really liked what Columbus did, not just in the draft, but with the, the trades they made over the weekend, bringing in a couple of young defensemen for a guy that wasn't going to stick around and a, and a draft pick. They got Adam Boakfist and Jake Bean into their system. 
I think those are two really nice ads. And then I was a big Kent Johnson fan. I I was a little bit surprised to see him go fifth overall, even though that's where I had him on my board. I thought that he might fall a little bit further because of where I had seen him ranked by some other people. Um, I really like that pick at number five. And to add Cole Sillinger with the 12th, they got some real offensive firepower put into their organization with those first two picks. With the pick that they got from the Leafs in the Nick Foligno trade, their third pick in the first round, they snagged Corson Kuhlman's a, a defenseman that I really liked who Tony makes fun of me for liking. I don't make fun of you. He was just an AHL, AJHL defenseman. I, know. I, I will say he did improve on my board throughout the year. So I, I was hard on you early and I kind of just shut up about it later. Well, on. like It's easy to see a guy at that level and, and we're talking about the Alberta Junior Hockey League. It's like Junior A basically. And he was like, he shouldn't have been playing in that league. <laughs> he should, no. He, he, he was too good for that league, and it was maybe hard to get like an accurate read on just exactly what he was. But he's a player I really like. He's a physical defenseman who likes to shoot the puck maybe a little bit too much. But but he's got some real strong upside. And then getting like Stanislav Sposal in the third round late, or sorry, early in the third round, like – he's a guy that I think almost everyone that I knew had as a late first rounder or early second rounder at worst. Yeah. And then my boy, another small King late in the fifth round, uh, James Malatesta, a, a guy that played with the Quebec Remparts, just a little ball of energy that just launches himself around the ice. He's fast as hell. Just a really fun player to watch. So I really liked Columbus's draft. I kind of had something similar coming into this, like as an, uh, something I wanted to hear your thoughts on. But you know, eliminating kind of the first round from the from the equation of of trying to you know grade who might have had the best draft, and mostly looking at it through the lens of like you know guys that you folks had higher a lot higher on your board that you know if there was any teams that seemed to to kind of pick up a few of those guys that you thought were kind of late round steals and if that you know might still be carolina and columbus but if there's any other teams that kind of did a really good job of of swinging for the fences you know in the mid to late rounds yeah i'll start and i think the dallas stars did a really good job at the draft this year and in uh, I might be a little biased again because I said Ayrton Martino was a guy I would have targeted with the Leafs pick, but he was a guy that they picked up as well. And then they also got Logan Stankoven, and that, and that was a guy I really liked. And, and the key to this one is taking out the first round because I do think their first yeah. round pick was maybe a little bit of a, 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 a reach, in my opinion. But then you go down this draft, their, their draft, and Jack Barr, Francesco Arcuri, Albert Schoberg. Like, I, I think there's a lot of talent from the second round on. And, and, and honestly, even some of the swings they took, like a guy like Justin Ertl, like he, he's been good in the viewings I had, but he played at a low level. And, and other guys like Connor Roulette, who in, played in the WHL, I don't mind that pick. Like that's a nice pick at, at in the fourth round. So I think Dallas Stars did a really good job, but uh, the key to it is definitely taking out that first round pick where Wyatt Johnson's a good player. I just don't know if he's a 23rd overall player. Well, the guys that Dallas took in the second round and third round, I would have taken over the guy that they took in the first round. So yeah. in that regard, I, I think they, they did really well. I was Once Stankoven got to where he was at, at that point in the draft, that's when I was starting to beat the drum of like, okay, maybe we got to figure out a way to trade up because to, to get a guy like Logan Stankoven in the middle of the second round, I think that's great value. Is someone that probably was a little bit undervalued because of his lack of height. That's been a kind of a theme in the show here, but he's a guy that he, another little ball of energy kind of flies around the ice, but he's got an outstanding shot. He can distribute the puck a little bit. Um, and then your boy Martino in the third round, 
And my guy, Jack Byer in the fifth. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Dallas is the, is the other team there for me outside of Columbus and uh, um, Carolina. Yeah, I, I was dying for Stan Coven to fall to the Leafs. I, I was really hoping that they would uh, they'd be able to snap him up. And um, I I would have loved it also owning a jersey that said Stank Oven on the back. Um, great draft chat fellas thank you for uh for being part of it now tony if you wake up in the morning and you see the news that the draft has been rescinded and will take place next weekend uh we're gonna do it all again you can blame us because this our last two podcasts (laughs) were completely irrelevant within basically hours of us recording them so i'm just trying to think of how how this one could could be so so that's um that's half what i'm expecting are we taking like the jared mccann celebration podcast off of the streaming <laughs> oh, services or oh, jared mccann we hardly knew you i think it's a it's a relic of time keith it's i think it's, <laughs> it's a snapshot in time yeah it is it was the it's a more hopeful days <laughs> listen there's not that much content celebrating the jared mccann era in toronto and uh, i think that we have one of the premier pieces so oh i, I have to stop you right there because when I asked Tony to come on the show with us, you know, just after the expansion draft, he said he would come on on one condition. And what was that condition, Tony? I just wanted to yell about this. This is so <laughs> stupid. Why? Why would you do this? Okay. I am sorry. Justin Hall is, seems like a great guy. He's not that great. He was very, very like perched up because of Jake Muzzin. I, you could put Timothy Liger in there and I think you would do a serviceable job protecting him over protecting three other players like it, it just it doesn't make sense to me let them take hammer dermot like i i know you love dermot nick but like yeah. save mccann kerfoot and, and whoever the hell else you want from the ford group because the value you're saving there with mccann and kerfoot to to leave justin hall exposed where you're going to lose one of him or dermot it just to me it just doesn't make sense like it's a bad asset management i understand the move it's just a dumb move yeah yeah i thought like the the thought behind the move made a lot of sense you know let's give up something less than what we're actually going to lose you know to to not lose anything off of our roster and i am a big dermot guy but i was definitely on board with protecting mccann over that like a a 2.9 million dollar cap hit for for what he could provide is something that's you know really valuable to a team like the leafs that is so top heavy on the cap the one thing I will say is I think with some of the deals that we've already seen in the, the last few days and some of the, the numbers being thrown around for rumored contracts, there's no way that the Leafs are going to be able to to find another guy who could maybe play in the top four for what Justin Hall makes on the cap at $2 million. So now the task becomes making sure that they don't strike out in free agency or the trade market the rest of the summer to make up for the loss of of Jared McCann, even though he wasn't someone that was ever really in the organization. They, they need to, in order to kind of make up for that, they need to add a player who is at least similar in value or, or better because if they don't augment the forward yeah. group, that loss of Jared McCann is going to hurt that much more. I, I very much agree with everything you guys just said. I hated, I hated when it happened. I hated the kind of like rationale behind it. But I'm kind of just reserving judgment a little bit in the sense that, like, I do think that it probably was would be harder to replace Justin Hall at two million 
than it would be to replace McCann at 2.9. So I'm waiting to see like who, who are they bringing in to replace him, I guess, before I kind of, you know, fully get super sour on that. Cause it, I like what you said, Tony, like Justin Hall is, you know, he's a journeyman AHLer that had the good fortune of playing with Jake Muzzin and, and I, and like he played very well, like he did his job, but nothing that I saw in what he did, you know, made me believe that, you know, that was all him and that he, you know, you couldn't have somebody else come in that, that would be able to do that. Maybe not for 2 million, but you know, maybe for a little bit more or something like that. So I don't know, just wait, I'll, I'm going to wait, I'm going to see, you know, who rounds out the kind of top nine with the Leafs next year before I get too angry about the Jared McCann thing, but I am fully expecting him to be, to play out of his mind this year. And, and oh, yeah. that'll, you know, as, 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 as they do yep, with yep. the Leafs. Um, I, 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 I just felt like disjointed, like, like, you know, I, I tried to talk myself into the whole insurance thing, like the and like one point two or two was like Seattle was charging a premium to, you know, um, have you kind of dictate who they chose. Yeah. So and, Doob has kind of circumvented that. Right. Which they overplayed. It, it, yeah. And it cost much less. But like the thing that I can't shake is like it still feels like we lost the best player possible despite paying a, a price. <laughs> like even though you, you still like in terms of the roster, you keep it intact. Like it's just it's it's hard to. To justify because it feels like here's what it felt like to me um like it's a thing that i do seemingly like once every month in fantasy baseball i I spend like 30 minutes trying to decide which pitcher i want to add to my roster for the night to to try to get like that extra stat category or whatever and then the night comes around and i realize that the guy that i picked up i i never took him off the bench he was just sitting there it's like when they (laughs) when they made the move it's like okay the next step was to protect 731 and and yeah. just let them take their choice of d and and now you've got some really nice forward value and you you paid a really you know minimal price to add it and, and instead we're just going to kind of not change course despite you know the new information it seems strange i think a, a fair point to raise is like would seattle have even taken justin hall when you look at the other defensemen that they were able to add to their roster is that the hackstall factor like did they just like know yeah that he was going to take them like that that's the only thing i can think of is like i would have absolutely rolled the fucking dice on that because i don't think i don't know anybody other than a team with a head coach that you know was in love with justin hall maybe would, would have yeah. taken him over the, the other options like dermot especially a younger cheaper higher end or higher ceiling defenseman that that's a that's gotta be it yeah i think my, my biggest thing with it is like every time so, like I, someone tries to justify it by saying well we lost less and i'm like yeah okay but like imagine instead of Jared McCann. It was Sidney Crosby, and we lost Sidney Crosby. Would, would you still be saying, "Well, we only lost the seventh in a, in a Hallander"? No, like yeah. you lost Sidney Crosby. Like you lost Jared McCann. Like yeah, it was a shitty kind of way to let things go down. Yeah, and I think another factor in the whole thing is like, obviously, we do try to be objective as possible when we can be. We don't want to just be fanboying and homers all the time. But we are still fans of this team, and I think we we're all really excited at the potential of Jared McCann playing for the Leafs, and just to have it, you know, taken away so swiftly right after acquiring him just kind of sucked. It's the first time in in his tenure that I think I've, I've like actively disliked something that Dudas yeah. did in the moment. Like I think there's things that have he's done that haven't worked out. But I always was on board with like the cadre trade. I think you know it was obviously not great, but in the when it happened, yep. it was easy to see why he did it, and I understood the process. And same with a lot of the other moves that haven't worked out. This was one immediately like head scratcher, like kind of the first time I was like, "What the hell is he doing?" Yeah, I agree with you there. Speaking of yep. things that suck, 
Zach Hyman. Oh, did it just happen? Oh no, I'm just, I just I was trying to make. Oh, I thought you were about to. I thought you. I thought you were. About to I was trying to hands. segue. I'll leave that to Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wanted to talk about Zach Hyman moving on. It's it's basically done. It looks like it's going to be the Oilers. It does suck. Um, Wednesday uh, free agency. You know, we'll we'll dive into everything a little more. But yeah, I mean, we've we've kind of been. This has been a slow roll, right? Like we've known this is going to be the case for a while, but now it looks like it will be Edmonton. Um, I, I guess the, the Leafs angle here we can maybe touch on briefly as we wrap up. Um, you know. Kyle Dubas um, obviously was trying to leverage something out of Edmonton for that eighth year, a sign and trade, and it looks like that's not going to happen. Supposedly, the Leafs wanted a second round pick, was the report, and the Oilers were only offering a sixth round pick. And as far as I'm concerned, tell Ken Holland to go fuck himself if that's yeah. all he's offering, because I, I, yeah, I wouldn't do that either. Yeah, I love that out of Kyle. Like, there's no reason to bend and do a team a favor like that. No, it's one thing if you're like retaining that amount of salary on a, a like a one-year deal in a rental trade or something like that but you're helping them out for a contract that's eight years long yeah if they want that help make them pay for it and if they don't want to pay for it let them you know pick their poison yeah i'm with you on that one honestly like i just love the fact that ken holland's like i'm gonna do what ken holland does baby and just sign a 30 year old to a long-term <laughs> deal for decent middling money like oh boy justin Alblocator, come right up darren helm let's go like all these guys create a club like this is wonderful darren or man ken holland is just such a generous guy <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it sucks because I want to see McDavid so far in the playoffs, but like it's just not going to happen. The way the like, Duncan Keith, top four defenseman, let's go, baby! Like ah, the Oilers are so terrible. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's kind of a bummer actually. Like because I, regardless of where Zach Hyman ends up, he's a guy I'm always going to cheer for. Like I, oh, I, for I sure. think we're all in that in that boat. Like Zach Hyman was truly beloved here. Uh, nothing but fond memories of, of his time as a Leaf aside from like the team results or whatever, but him as an individual, very fond memories. Yeah. Like I, I have nothing against him there. Yeah. I just yep. think that this contract is something that he might have trouble living up to and he's not going to be seen in the same <laughs> he <might>. light. <laughs> yeah. He, he's just, he's not going to be seen in the same light as he was in Toronto because it's different when you're making five and a half million dollars than when you're making 2.25. It just is. I, I think it's a perfect career arc for any NHLer, which is the Leafs get all the valuable, valuable years. And then the contract that is going to drop a grenade into your salary cap, uh, situation is signed by the Oilers. So, yeah, I can get on board with that. Yeah, it's uh, listen. Like Tony, you want to see McDavid in the playoffs? How about in the playoffs in Toronto in a few years once he gets squeezed out of Edmonton by Kenny Holland's terrible decision making? Oh like baby, it. who are they going to sign next? Pierre Engvall, eight <laughs> years, four and a half for per. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm on board. I love it. All right, uh, let's end it there. We'll find out more Wednesday when free agency opens, um, and you know maybe we'll have an emergency pod, and maybe uh, maybe it will actually hold up for more than a few hours. Um, Tony, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate gleaning some insight from you here, draft related. Uh, a lot of fun chatting lease with you. No problem, boys. I, I enjoyed coming on. This was fun. Long overdue getting you on the show. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you very much. Oh, of course. We appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll look for you um, wherever you end up covering prospects uh, over the next season. Um, yeah, hopefully you'll be able to actually get to the rank to, to to get some viewings in for the 2022 draft. I will break in if I have to. <laughs> <laughs>
Playing us out for this episode is Wolf Castle, a Mi'kmaq rapper from New Brunswick. This is the first time we've featured an East Coast rapper on the show. Uh, a little change of pace, but Wolf Castle is a real up-and-comer. He's from the Pabano First Nation. Uh, he's been releasing music like crazy. Last summer's EP Gold Rush really launched him onto the scene, and his new EP Da Vinci's Inquest is available August 6th. He's released a few tracks from that over the last number of months, and the one we're going to hear is called Wealth Man. This is Wolf Castle. Thanks for listening to Lamenting the Leafs. Wealth Man, need that five for the check, man. Playing this chess, no brain dance. Threw up the nest to the mainland. Working there daily, I'm famous. Struggling, it's all the same, man. Every native gotta play, man. Learn the rules just to break it. Wildin' out, you can't tame it. Ayy, native Kendrick lost in his thoughts. Go stupid in the parking lot like a low rider. This a pop dog. Ego player, I'm a ball hog. When it comes to living that excellence, heaven sent me like divine the kids. Bless the crowd, make them believe again. Don't talk, just walk with a swagger. Scars on my back from a dagger. No fear when I feel that danger. We some old friends, no strangers. Ayy, one take guy on this place. Fuck it up when I switch the pace. KD of my paper plate. Wealth cheese in my chain. Great. Wealth man, need that five for the check man. Playing this chess, no brain dance. Threw up the nest to the mainland. Working there daily, I'm famous. Struggling, it's all the same, man. Every native gotta play, man. Learn the rules just to break it. Yeah. Wildin' out, you can't see. just like a fresco. Futuristic tech flow. The chief call me Halo. I'm a top G, so let go. Reaching peak performance. Got my pedal to the metal. Seem to kettle. On my vocal cords, boy, I never settle. Hey, from a brand to the plastic chandelier. Thrift dressing better than your pairs. Life's harder than a minor pair. From the slums born, it don't play fair. Full time at the work joint. From a small town to the focal point. When the the winds, you get annoyed, stop flipping out like I lost a boy. Using my mystical Indian powers and beats, I devour. You gon' need a shower, I tower and shine. Call your friends, the new Versace ahead of the trance. Caught you slacking, here we go again. White snake turns sour, man. Can't touch me, bring the hammer down. Go supersonic in my tribal lands, I go. Supersonic in my tribal lands, I go. Supersonic in my tribal lands, I go. Supersonic, I'ma watch the land, I go. Don't forget a boy, don't forget a boy Wealth man, need that five for the check man Playing this chess, no brain dance Threw up the nest to the mainland Working there daily, I'm famous Struggling, it's all the same man Every native gotta play man Learn the rules just to break it Wildin' out, you can't tame it